Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. You know, last week we talked a little bit about, you know, how we're motivating our teams, what's working. Um, You know, I think everybody was in the middle of moving into a remote working kind of situation last week. So, um, so, you know, that, that was, everybody's right in the middle of the chaos, I think, when we started this last week. So I'm sure you've learned a lot uh, just over the past week. It seems like things are changing on a daily basis. Uh, We talked a little bit about customer engagement, leading with empathy and humanity. And I think that's been the theme, at least as I've been uh, seeing it in terms of how people are trying to engage with customers and uh, partners, you know, during this time. Um, and then we, we've seen a lot of conversation. Uh, we had a lot of conversation last week, and I think we're going to dig into it further this week around um, the big topic, which is, okay, what's happening with contracts? Like, what, are we, what kind of flexibility are we going to offer um, in renewal, in, in you know, early renewals? What, what happens if a customer comes to us in the middle of a contract? How are we going to deal with that? So uh, that'll probably be where we start today. Um, I think what we'll start with is just to try to, to see if uh, people would mind sharing ideas about how they're uh, responding to contractual requests for contractual flexibility. So, you know, with renewals, uh, we know people are in, in different, you know, varying situations. Some businesses are thriving. Some businesses are in status quo, just like hang tight mode. And then other businesses are obviously completely disrupted. Um, so the, you know, the first thing I think we wanted to throw out there and talk about, um, and, and again, anybody can, can jump in here and sort of share what you're doing, but we'd love to get the conversation started with, you know, how you're responding to that, those needs and those requests by your customers right now. Do you find that customers are taking advantage of it uh, or, or trying to take advantage of, of that? Or is it really a, a real need and how are you responding? So, um, you know, I'll, anybody can jump in. So go, go ahead and, and unmute yourself and feel free to share what you're doing in that regard. Uh, uh, hey, Jay, this is Abhilash from uh, Bangalore, India. Hey there. So, so, uh, so basically the problem that we are facing at the moment, we uh, are a conversion rate optimization firm, right? So uh, the problem that we face is uh, mainly to first identify if the customer is taking an advantage of the situation or not. Uh, let me put it across in a different way. So first thing when the customer talks about, you know, hey, I want to pause the services for a month uh, because of the uh, current situation that's happening. Now, what we do firstly is uh, we take a proactive approach here and we check the Google Analytics data and see if the business is actually impacted. We check the trends. We see there's nothing that is majorly impacted with respect to the traffic coming onto the site, nor their revenue as impacted, right? So still the customer, you know, insists on uh, putting on a uh, putting a hold on the services now uh, here we are in a fix as to you know how do we retain this customer so the first objective is going to be retaining the customer right so uh, that's where the major challenge that the team is facing currently uh, specific to my industry is concerned and are you guys are you offering specific um, flexibility in your contract terms for people to be able to do that to make sure that you retain are you extending on the back end of your contracts well, when, it, when, when it's flexibility, we do not have too much of flexibility. So we, we pretty much operate on a, a, a similar to the net Netflix subscription model, right? So you pay upfront for the services and anytime you want, you can go ahead and cancel the service, right? So that's the model we're currently working on. Now, uh, the customers, you know, reach out to us and say, hey, you know what, stop the billing for the next two, three months because this business is unstable. So immediate strategy that we get into is uh, to tell them, uh, we are happy to do it for one month and then we shall revisit the data 
uh, we, we shall relook at uh, the business trends and then we can resume the services. So that's the immediate strategy. But with this strategy, we are a little, uh, we're facing challenge in terms of the cash flow, right? So we cannot be doing the same uh, approach for all the customers. So that is the major challenge that we're facing at the moment. Yeah, it makes total sense. You can't do it for everybody, uh, potentially. And so I think Aaron made a good point about that last week about relying on your customer segmentation as well. So um, is anybody, you know, how are you thinking about your customer segments relative to being able to provide this contractual flexibility? Does anybody have anything they'd like to share around that? One of the things that we've been doing is um, we've, we've kind of altered our segmentation or relooked at our segmentation, I should say, based on, based on vertical, right? I mean, we, we've always been focused on a couple key verticals and some of our key verticals are much more heavily impacted today than they've, than they've been before. We're a publicly traded company, so we had to get you know, some pretty explicit approvals to change around terms in a, in a contract. So we chose to focus on what we think are the most at risk of our, of our customers and we're focusing on helping them out, travel, hospitality, you know, people who truly have no customers right now, right? Because um, we had to make the choice, you know, do we just thinly paper or, or peanut butter across all of our customers or do we pick the industries where we think they're gonna be most, most hit? Um, and that's what we've chosen to do to date. So we've kind of ring fenced how we're gonna, how we're gonna help our customers by focusing on vertical, and then tier, and um, maybe it'll evolve, but we just kind of picked one segment where it's hard, but we can go to our customers, our other customers and say, hey guys, I know you're Mr. Insurance Company, you're having trouble too, so are we, but we double down on focusing our travel and hospitality customers who might not be around in the near future if we don't help them. You know, it's an interesting, interesting point sort of around be around and just being that we have Boaz here joining us and, you know, sort of the inventor, I think Boaz, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, inventor of the customer maturity index a few years back. I'd love to get Boaz's thoughts on the logic that goes into it, maybe a quick explanation of what that index is, and then see if there's anything that we could use to Ben's point of trying to kind of wait the, the additional risk involved in, in selling into some of these really decimated um, verticals right now. So not to put you on the spot, Boaz, but good to see you. <laughs> well, we are, I will come, recently joined a company that says uh, point of sale to SMBs in the restaurant, retail, and services. Couldn't be a segment that is hurt most or more in the economy right now, right? Small cafes, you know, two or three um, store restaurants, you know, barbell shops, right? And what we have done, we, we've had a lot of conversations about it and um, we have two things um, categorically. Uh, one is we identify the two or three um, features that most customer or that would make the most value to customers right now, predominantly online ordering, for example. And we reach out to every customer and say, these ones are for free between now and the end of September. If you want it, we enable it to you at no cost. If we can add, you know, add some value to you, that's better than nothing. The second thing that we instituted within our um, support CSM organization is every customer that calls in and wants to cancel, which is actually a fairly large number of customers right now since they shut down, many of them. We have a flow where we, we kind of created a, a fishbone exercise and we say, if a customer calls to exercise, 
suggest to them to add those features at no cost, maybe that would help them make some value and stay with us. If they're still not interested, enable them to use the software for free for the next three months and if they push for the next six months, because at least they use it for something minimalistic. By the way, the thought process here is that maybe what they'll do in this time, right, cafes or, or small restaurants that will close, maybe they won't use it with their customers because they're not doing anything, but maybe they can use the time to invest into you know, rebranding, reshuffling, investing in how it looks. So when they get out of the crisis, they are ready. And that's part of the value we can provide. So we are willing to provide customers free service uh, for anyone who calls and want that. So, and only then if a customer doesn't want, hey, if, if, if they shut down, they shut down and we, we terminate the account. But the, the thought process here is to try to figure out how can we help those customers first. You know, crisis times are, also opportunity to strengthen the bond with your customers and you'll have to take a hit. So our thought process is if we stay firm with our, you know, contracts, we will lose those customers, right? They are suffering. So might as well keep the customer and lose the revenue than lose both the revenue and the customer, if that makes sense. And Boaz, are you then pushing out, let's just say they use it for uh, no cost for three to six months. Will you push out the end of the contract date? No, we just don't build them for this period of time. Okay. What about the concept that came up last week? I thought it was a good one. Um, would love to get anybody's thoughts. When a customer wants to postpone payment for three months, if they are within a certain threshold of their renewal, you postpone the payment contingent upon signing the renewal early. So we'll renew you now for 15 months, but you don't need to pay for the, you know, for the next three. And you're basically locking in that renewal and using that opportunity uh, for some leverage to, to get that earlier signature. What did anybody got positive or negative experience with, with doing that? Aaron, this is, uh, this is Brian, um, from Looker, uh, and now Google. Um, th that's the only way we've been able to actually get customers to commit to their actual contractual commitments, right? I've seen, and I don't know if others on the call have seen this, but you know, some customers have asked for, you know, three month, um, just like pauses. And then they're like, yeah, we might come back at the end of that renewal period. You know, you get to the end of those three months and then they get to the 12 month contract. Well, the, that three month free period, uh, the, the likelihood of them actually signing that 12 month contract after that three month pause, our success rate has been really, really small. I don't know if others have seen that, uh, but certainly that was the case with us. So what we've been able to do is incorporate 15 month long contracts, just as you said, to give them a little bit of a pause, a little bit of a break, but then they have that contractual commitment that allows them to plan uh, with their longer term revenue forecasting, okay, I know I have this contractual commitment, it's coming in three months, and then I can actually you know, incorporate that into my, my budgeting. Um, so we've seen a much higher success rate there. I, I'm afraid if you give customers kind of like just that free time period, that just kind of like gives them the wiggle room to just like, you know, kind of wean off the software. Yeah, so then what do you, do you already have plans in place for what happens in three months when they come to you and say, we're still not out of the woods, uh, we still can't, you know, we're not ready to pay, et cetera. Yeah, it, it's been a trickle of customers that have that have come in previously. So like prior to this kind of like COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and we actually have managerial approval that allows for another three month extension. And so we'll kind of keep on pushing that out if needed. Um, but that's kind of like a, a case by case basis. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, it seems like I you be prepared for that. I would imagine that's probably gonna be the case. I think here's a thought that I'd like to hear people's perspective. I've been noodling over this. One of the challenges for all of us in this time is it is really a crisis for some of our customers, right? Not, not everybody. It really is a, again, I think from kind of my lens, SMBs in, you know, restaurants and coffees, it's, it's an apocalypse, right? But it, it varies among different segments. 
And I think we all need to be really careful and work with the sales team to be really careful so those customers don't feel like we are trying to utilize this opportunity to take advantage of them. So anything that we say or do that kind of ask them to do more right now is really dangerous ground, right? So for example, on our side, we decided like no commitment, no request, don't sign anything. You want it for three months, get it for three months. We'll talk with you in three months about what happened next because I really don't want a customer to feel like, you know, any kind of, you know, bait and switch or whatever, or, or even ask them to commitments that I really don't think they can make. But you should actually look at how you build now the opportunity with those customers, definitely in your area. Yeah, there's a difference between planning for it and asking the customer to do anything. I'm just very sensitive of asking the customer to sign in advance now, extending the contract stuff that I think emotionally they're going to be really against, even if you put the kind of the, the economics of it aside. And also, I think that I think for me that the question that comes to mind as well, and curious about is if this is you know uh, not really asking to uh, elicit any private information, but I think your, your business also has to be in a strong financial position in order to offer these things, right? I think there's a, an entire business strategy aspect here that is um, going largely, uh, no, I guess, noticed, but also unnoticed is the fact that uh, there has to be conversations that are happening internally about like, what is our cash position? Uh, what's our actual runway? What is our, if we have a board of advisors, you know, like what is our actual business strategy for 2020? Uh, because if, if we don't have the actual cash flexibility to actually, you know, extend out these contracts three, four or five months without being paid, uh, that's also the detriment to, uh, on the other side, right, is, is we can't offer this flexibility during this time because we actually need the cash in order to survive as a business as well. Com completely agree. And by the way, it, it goes even further, right? So think about, right, the kind of the stuff that we've been going through. If we offer customers um, no fee usage, how, how do you pay salespeople? Right. What's a commission on a zero-cost contract, right? Uh, there are lots of conversations here. There are lots of challenges. Again, I th think about it, right? We, there's no way around this. This is a crisis. It's, it's not a slightly tough time. It's a crisis. So from our side, you're absolutely right. We're going to lose a lot of revenue here. And the thinking process that we have is we're going to lose this anyway. I mean, those customers are going to either disappear, right, terminate and shut, or do something with us might as well kind of save the cost of sale and keep them as a customer that we can maybe do something with. Maybe it's better than nothing. But yeah, you're right. You, you, you know, parallel to all of this, you know, you need to work with, you know, the financial team to figure out how much cash you have. And yeah, this, this will be hard all around for. I think that's a, that's a great point, Boaz, is that, I mean, a lot of this strategy is to just kick the can down the road long enough to figure out what the next, what the next set of, tactics are going to be because there's so much uncertainty right now. It's, it's hard for people to contemplate signing any kind of agreement for anything. Um, I saw uh, a good point the other day. I think it was by Tom, Tomas Tungas. Um, I don't know if I said his name right, but um, about reverting back to like an earlier stage sales type of approach to go and use MBOs. Like if you're going to keep your sales team employed, you can't, it's not bookings anymore. That's your, your primary target. It's relationship building and it's, basically, you know, discovery and building pipeline for future engagement. So I, I agree with you. And, and I think it's going to be less expensive to reactivate the customers that do hang through with us than it is to go find new ones after this whole crisis is over. One aspect I just wanted to throw out, somebody uh, had privately messaged, but one of, the, one, of the, one of the other leaders in the room uh, mentioned that they are offering two months free and then delaying their billing until Q4 2020 to any of the affected businesses. Uh, but curious if there's anybody else that can offer up. You can chat me or anything, but um, curious if there's anybody else that's offering up something similar uh, or, you know, any other 
any other aspects of that type of flexibility would be curious to see what that looks like right now. Okay, guys, in, in the B2B space, uh, and specifically around the enterprise customers that we have, we do see at times we do have to offer some sort of a free professional services package if they're a new, especially around challenges where they see low adoption and stuff. That is one flexibility that we are open to offer. Hey, this is this is uh, Jeremy. I'm, I'm with uh, White Hat Security. So we do um, uh, technological uh, application security software. So all of our contracts are on, on annual payment terms, usually net 30, net 60, rarely anything longer than that. But one of the things that we're starting to do is um, in entertaining um, quarterly contracts. Um, and even in some cases uh, for our larger customers offering monthly payment terms, um, if the customer has been a longstanding customer and they're in a really hit industry. So um, it's not necessarily that we would push off something from a Q1 to a Q4 from a payment perspective, but if it means taking a $100,000 contract or $120,000 contract and spreading that payment over 12 months, so we're still taking some revenue by helping the customer out by not asking for them to pay for all of it upfront. Um, that is one way that we have been uh, helping our customers out in that, in that regard. And you just curious, uh, also from like a maybe an execution or tactical standpoint too. Like, is your finance team putting in? I think you mentioned it a little bit, but is your finance team putting in some protocols that say like, you know, they have to have this type of credit or it's like this type of strategic business? Like, I don't know. Are they, are they requiring on your end in terms of approval to have some sort of measures in place in order to make sure that we're actually going to get paid at some point down the road um, for that contract as well? Jeremy? Yeah, so it's it we it's a it's all case by case, um, and, and it, it, the customer has to be proactive in in asking us for whatever specific. So we don't we aren't going to our customers and saying, hey, we're offering monthly payment terms. Um, if they're good with paying annually, we're going to still take it annually. But if we know it's an affected customer and they're saying, hey, what can you do to help us out? Um, we'll, we'll look at first extending the annual payment terms. That's the first thing we'll do. If that's not enough, then we'll look at splitting the invoice. Uh, maybe into two payments over the course of a year. If that's not enough, then we'll look into breaking it into smaller chunks. Um, that's the first thing we would do before discounting and or offering free services and, and that sort of stuff because, um, and then go from there. Or uh, I do like some of the ideas of offering uh, extended contracts, uh, free services on the front of the contract to maybe push the annual term out a little bit to kind of get through this initial three to six months of, of this crisis that we're in. Um, to push the contract out later into the year, but um, that's what we're doing. But it's it's all case by case. Um, the customer has to kind of tell us what their business need is, um, and then we take that back to our finance and we kind of figure out what we need to do based on that that need. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to read out just a couple of examples. I'm getting through chat, but uh, there's one company that is providing heavily discounted contract for 12 months, and then if they want it for year two, it goes back up into standard pricing. Um, we have another one that said uh, deferring payments for up to two months and uh, extending on the back ends. And then we're also using this as an opportunity to discuss renewals, but not locking anything in uh, if they're not ready and uh, they work in the medical industry. And I think I had one more. Nope. Um, but that's a couple other examples that we have in there too, Jay. Yeah, that's good. We, we talked a lot. So in my mind, a, a contract has like a handful of levers, right? There's sort of the scope of the services that are purchased. There's the, payment terms, there's the term length of the contract, and then there's pricing. And one of the, we, we haven't really talked a lot about pricing. So I'm curious if anybody is using that as a lever. I know that's a, a, a probably a delicate thing for people to want to change their pricing, but I like the idea of it having a temporary break and then going back to what that normal price was. So curious if anybody else is using a tactic like that, if you're interested in sharing that. 
Sure, I can oh. uh, take a stab at this. Um, so we we actually take the approach of not necessarily focusing on the pricing side, but more on the pause and contract extension. Um, we're trying, and, and I'm actually the individual that's working in healthcare. So we don't want to take any um, any revenue, potential money away from practices that are not generating revenue right now. So um, we've had conversations around just you know reducing their costs and actually locking them into kind of a grandfathered rate. Um, but we found that we had more success when we offered a pause on the front end and extended on the back end. So for our industry, it was better received to, to pause it rather than adjusting, you know, the, the monthly rate. I think that goes for a lot of companies. Like if they want to uh, cut their budget, then they're not going to commit to a 20, 30% discount or something like that. So they want to cut their uh, budget now and they want to make sure like they don't pay anything. And then once they're ready again, they can pay again. So it's, we only do pausing and no discounts because discounts is, are gonna, um, as you said, like in the longer term, they're gonna be worse for your company. Like it's better to offer them like a two month pause than a 20% discount for lifetime value. We've been taking a slightly different approach rather than discounting. Uh, we've been trying to help them save some of their revenue. One of the places where our customers are getting hit the hardest is in losing their conferences. It's, um, it's one of their biggest revenue generators of the year. And obviously not being able to hold a live event um, is really hitting them hard. And, and I saw Luke's, uh, Luke's comment earlier about kind of repurposing some of our, one of our offerings. And we've repackaged it um, to be able to uh, turn their live conference into a virtual conference, move it all online. Um, and we're actually giving that free for 90 days to our customers and prospects so that they can try to salvage some of their live event revenue and turn it into a virtual event. Interesting question that's also come up here in the chat is just around competitors. And are you seeing com your competitors, are they taking a, a, a sort of an above the board approach to this or are they, are they using it to sort of undermine what you're trying to do right now? I think it's probably something we should watch out for as well. So Jay, this is Peter um, at the massive enterprise level. I, I'm not seeing competitors do that kind of stuff. I think at that level, everyone's super cautious um, for that. They don't want the, the brand is so critical, of course. Um, so they don't want to compromise that. That might change, but at this point, no. Yeah, there's probably more to lose there than to gain, is what I would think. Yeah, which is what makes forums like this possible, frankly. So, um, okay, cool. So this has been a great discussion about contractual terms. Is there I want to make sure we don't hop off of it too quickly. Any other thoughts or, or angles on this that people want to throw out before we move on to relationships and community? Yeah, we, we, we've seen folks uh, starting to reach out. We've had two of these in the last, week, uh, last couple of days where it's not about contractual terms now, and they're not asking for a discount. They're not asking to, to cancel. What they're coming to us and saying is, we're going through a really tough period right now. We've already prepaid because all our contracts are annual. Uh, we'd like to get a contract. Uh, we'd like to get a credit for our next one next year. Um, and, you know, my initial reaction to that is, well, you, you know, no. <laughs> but, you, you know, I think that, you know, what, the way that we've approached that with those customers is to say, um, you, you know, look, we're all living in, the, this is an unprecedented uh, situation. So, you know, as a result, what we are saying to the, you know, we don't know when this is going to end. And I think that's the biggest problem that a lot of us face right now is it's just that degree of uncertainty. Um, and so what we've said to them is we're willing to have that conversation with you once we get to, once we get through this, uh, but we're not going to, I'm not going to commit to giving you a credit for next year's contract at this point in time, but I'm curious if others are seeing that and, and if so, how they're handling it. 
Yeah, so I, I wanted to add uh, one of the first things that uh, we're doing uh, in the last two days uh, now that we started to, to get a, a, I'll say a dozen for, for now, a dozen requests. Uh, we're now building a process. So uh, every office, every region, uh, we will have a defined process. It's a piggybacking on a process with, that we already have in Salesforce for red flag alerts. And then uh, Brian, you can smile now. Uh, we're building a dashboard in Looker only to have visibility of that. What is the segment of the customer? Uh, what is the status of this request? And of course, uh, what is the uh, danger ARR? And I, I think that's, that's, that's very important uh, to have the visibility available for me to the COO, CEO. Uh, and then um, it started from uh, one region doing a very, you know, siloed template, uh, not connected to anything and actually asking the CSNs and sales uh, to input uh, details uh, uh, in that template. And uh, most of that information is available in Salesforce. So I think that uh, you should definitely take a day or two and just make sure that you have the right process and you don't need to ask people to get 90% uh, of the information is out there. And uh, the second thing, and, and by the way, one of the things that I just uh, got off a call before this call is about uh, making sure that those, you said uh, before, that, that those customers are not taking advantage of. So uh, uh, I want to see in that dashboard if one of those customers had a red flag alert uh, in the last six months, but before COVID-19. So that's important. And Chris, to your point about credit, uh, I think it's a, good, uh, it's a good option. So if one of my customers wants to stay uh, but the solution would be to give them credit for next year renewal. It's a good option. I think the, the challenge, so, so the scenario that, and maybe I can, you know, more context would help there. It's, you know, these guys have already paid up. They're still using the services. They're actively using the services. Um, and, you know, yes, they're, they're in a, a sort of uh, edge case where they're affected, but they're not, you know, they're not in directly in retail or, or, or travel, et cetera. And so it's, you know, and, and, and as I said, we've had two of these folks come, come through. I'm not against doing a credit, you know, certainly if it means that we, uh, you know, we maintain them. I think Boaz said, you know, it's, it's better to have a customer than, than not to have a customer at all. Um, but I think that it's, it's that balance of, you know, because of the uncertainty, um, I, I'm struggling with saying, well, if I, if, I give a, if I agree to a credit now and this goes on for six months or nine months, then do I, you know, what happens nine months from now? And I think that's also, you know, Jay, I think mentioned yeah, it you know, the earlier. The credit is we, for next yeah. year. I think, I think the, the, the good point here is that the credit is for, the, for next year. So you give them credit that it will be available for their renewal. Or in other cases, so we have some customers that we send, send them uh, prepaid bulk for, the, for 12 months. And then we just give them, we say, okay, so we will give you the bulk for 15 months. We will renew the bulk for a longer time. And I think that in my vision, when I look at those cases, I always say like this customer, the ARR for, for, for this year was 100K. And if I lose them this year, uh, uh, so I won't have the 100K next year, it's not 100K, it's 200. Because one of my competitors is going to get that 100K. So any dollar that you lose is $2. Mm, yeah. The, uh, I think another question that just came in too, curious, the, from the group's perspective, uh, somebody had asked, um, how have you been handling the influx of other support cases that have come in or CSM outreach? Like are your, you know, are your customer success managers on the front line right now? Are they being uh, kind of bombarded with the, everybody requesting, you know, uh, to have a contract discussion right now? And, and how are you guys handling that uh, kind of influx right now? 
Hey guys, uh, this is Daryl Colborn. Hope you guys can hear me okay. Um, I'm actually uh, part of a company called Zerto and we do IT resilience. Um, this conversation is really, really interesting as we're starting to get into the customer success world now. Um, and I'm likely to be the guy to build it. So really what we're doing is um, not moving away from support, but my role right now is actually in the support side where I deal heavily with critical escalations, customer health, so on and so forth. Um, what's interesting from our perspective over the past, say, two weeks or so, especially from that support standpoint, our case volume is actually down, which is very, very interesting. And looking at the world that we're in, so we're kind of outside of that world that you guys were talking about, the hospitality industry, restaurants, services like that, that are hugely affected by this. Um, the software that we have is definitely more of a, it's a B to B type ring from disasters, operational recoveries, continuity, so on and so forth. I almost feel our customers now are taking the time to get adjusted to the whole change, even the change of working from home. Uh, but it's really going to be interesting to see once we transform and hopefully start building more customer success. I'm envisioning how would I go to customers now? How would I have my team be reaching out to customers now to help them? And obviously to bring them back into the support side if necessary more from a proactive standpoint. So I hope that doesn't change the whole course of the conversation, but it just sounded like the perfect time to chime in and it really had my thoughts going. So I really appreciate you guys. This is great. I think it's a great addition, Daryl. And I, I think it's a good segue into like, what, what are the value, the valuable things that you, we are offering our clients right now? Is it, you know, do we go help them figure out how to scale what they're doing? Do we do a health check? Do we just leave them alone? Yep. Like what, what, what is it that they need right now? So I'm, I'm curious to hear what, what kind of, you know, packages and services basically that we're, we're putting together, even if we're not charging for them, like what is the, the unit of value that we're, that we're trying to put in front of our customers at this point? I'm sure it's different for every industry, but but curious what some folks are doing. I can chime in here. This is Megan. Um, so we're I work for a company called Platters. We historically provide catering for offices, right? For companies that feed their employees lunches. Obviously, offices are all closed and uh, food is not being delivered to them, to say the least. So uh, that said, we've always positioned our offering really as about bringing your employees together to really build your culture. Um, and improve the employee experience. And what's interesting is with this shift, business, like all businesses, regardless of industry, how, now have a new challenge of how do you actually maintain your culture and provide a great employee experience when your workforce is distributed and they're working remotely and they're all dealing with a new set of challenges. So in an odd way, we're, we're now trying to pivot and reposition new solutions that can help with the same problem or sort of help with the same end result, but the actual problem set is different. And so um, we actually have a few offerings like a prepaid credit card that can actually be deployed to employee homes where they can make purchases uh, from home, whether that's meal purchases or groceries or essential supplies. Um, we see different companies that are not uh, financially uh, in a bad situation wanting to invest and, and provide some of that support to employees. So that's been interesting and we've been offering that free for a three month period because of what's going on. So really trying to come from a genuine place of wanting to help. Um, and also we were selling sort of snacks and pantry items for the office and now have kind of curated little snack boxes that can go to employee homes as another, as another way. What we're trying to do though is really, um, you know, for the snack packages, for example, like there is a cost for that. 
Um, but we're not trying to really make that much revenue at the moment because we're trying to be sensitive to what's going on. And on the other side, because we also work with restaurants and caterers, we're trying to be creative and, and help support them in that, in that way, right? So even if they get a prepaid card, we're encouraging them to use that to purchase from a local business um, to support them. So trying to kind of do our best there. Um, so far, uh, I've been speaking with customers every day talking about these new offerings. And, um, and I, initially, I was curious what the response has been, but the response has been really positive. I think people don't really know how to handle their workforce. And so that's what we're leaning into is trying to find ways uh, through different content, but also these other offerings of uh, how they can engage their workforce. So very specifically, that's what we're doing. And so far, so far, it's been good. We'll see how it continues to play out, though. We're doing, um, I guess to answer both, two questions. One of the offerings we're doing is very similar to what uh, Jeff and you guys are doing here, is just information. Uh, we're in uh, SaaS, but we're, you know, we help with marketing and search engine optimizations. And that industry, people just need information and they want to know what others are doing. And so um, we've done a couple uh, white papers and we're doing a, a survey to all of our clients, just gathering information of where are they heard and what questions are they trying to solve for, what things are they seeing that need help on, and it's going to pull all that information together and give it back to them because they just want to know what people around them are doing having success with one. So like, are you feeling the same pain I'm feeling and where is it working for you? And so that information is something we're doing. That's one of the main things we're pushing right now is just getting people the information that they want that they don't realize other people are asking for because they're asking us for it. So, and that's just what, I mean, you look at the attendance on this compared to maybe what you, Jay, you would initially thought is because people want information and more than anything else. And so that's one thing we're really pushing uh, ahead of really anything else. And to answer one, I think it was a chat question about influx of support or CSM work because of these contract questions. Uh, we haven't seen, I think, uh, and some people are, are flooding us with work and other people are just falling off because they don't know what to do. So it's really, there's not more influx of, of tickets uh, for either. But in terms of the contractual conversations, most of that we're pulling, I'm pulling it off of the CSMs because again, it's not about the value of the account at this moment. It's more about the uncertainty of what's going to happen. And so to me, it's like, I want to pull that off of the CSM because now that's really a business and partnership question beyond, it could be any solution. It's more about who are we as a company? And where are they at as a company? What do we not know? And so I think one of the gentlemen said it correctly. I can't make a decision today that's going to, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen in, in 90 days from now. And I tell them that. I say, look, here's what I can do. I'm going to give you a little more time to pay these bills. I'll give you a month extension on the contract if we have some cash. I was like, but look, if in 90 days, you're, you know, your company's closed, it's a different conversation. We're not talking two months credit. We're talking bankruptcy. So, you know, let's, let's get through this together. So I pulled that off of the CSM because, again, it's about they want to hear from a leadership position of saying, who are you as a business? And let's just, let's just vent our fears. And I can ask them questions specifically, like, what are you doing with your workforce? Where else have you made cuts? What, you know, what vendors have you spoken to already? And I ask those kind of questions that maybe a CSM, that's not really, you know, that's not their business necessarily. And some of those questions that I think as leaders we can ask. Um, but if you have a huge influx of those questions, you're going to have to leverage your team. But at our volume, uh, it's more about getting leaders on the phone with them and saying, give us some time. We'll give you a little bit of time too. So that seems to be working for us right now. I think, I think part of the CSM's uh, job is to actually ask those questions. Um, uh, I, think, I think the uncertainty right now, um, I, I, I'm part of a, actually an on-premise non-SaaS solution um, and where are we shifting? I'm sh the, my team is reshifting from really focusing on uh, the traditional uh, cross-selling, upselling to actually preparing for the uncertainty of what's going to be in a quarter and next quarter. Um, many companies are going to be reevaluating their budget. Um, and if you don't prove your value as a company, 
they're going to not renew at this point. I know that we're doing that internally, even with our CSM tools, which are with our sales tools, which are project management tools. We're we're looking at where we could uh, tighten up. So I think this. So the CSMs uh, do have to start asking those questions and making sure that um, that when the budgeted the budgets are reevaluated, that we're still um, relevant and we 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 prove a value. And that's one of the things that we're shifting over. Um, to be trusted advisors right now is, is really huge. Uh, we, we, we're not getting a lot of support tickets, but we are, uh, we are approaching all of our customers as, hey, we're in this together. Let, let me advise you how we can work through, uh, through this situation. So I think, I, think, uh, I think that is very relevant. Hey guys, um, one thing, there's a lot of things that we don't know about the current circumstances. One thing that we do know for sure is that customers are gonna remember who stepped up to help them through these times and who didn't, which vendors reached out, which vendors didn't, which vendors were trying to be flexible, which were taking hardcore roles. Um, so in our decision-making, we just need to remember that because it's gonna be a lesson learned when all this is over. We're all gonna look back and say, how did we react? How did our competitors react? And the ones who reacted in favor of not giving services away or giving discounts, but of at least having the conversation, those are the ones that are gonna be remembered. And, and we know it's gonna be a lesson learned in the future. Let's try to learn that lesson and then apply it to our future action. Yeah, I can Mike. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna jump from there. I, I work for a HubSpot partner. We're very focused in the B2B SaaS community. And you know, we've taken our segmentation. We obviously are across the spectrum of business that, businesses that are being significantly impacted to businesses that are actually succeeding right now. And so we really segmented based on our priority accounts to really protect home base and make sure we're doing all we can to retain them. But along with that, I've taken that strategy with our team to identifying the companies that are struggling and the ones that are really, really in the middle and how can we get involved? Because obviously the outcomes we're driving are being really impacted and that's how we're being measured. So how can we take that and take these retention, you know, maybe product marketing strategies, thought leadership strategies and carry that to them so that way we can be measured on outcomes for actually, you know, retention, some really, some new, like a new way to reposition and be measured as we're fighting through this. And we've seen a lot of positive input from our clients and the feedback's been really great. And we're getting involved in more like a higher wallet share of their revenue than we ever had before, because now we can take, you know, the demand gen, lead gen growth, the revenue growth that we were being measured on before, if we earn an opportunity to continue partnering with them, you know, long-term, now we can be involved with retention, product marketing, um, and, you know, driving demand gen. So we have much more wallet share opportunity long-term. I like that. Thanks, Dylan. Uh, Brian, I just want to call you out because I liked your, in the chat, we're in, uh, we, we just launched a poll just kind of around some engagement that you guys have been doing with customers. Um, I'll share the results here in a minute, but just trying to understand, you know, how are we reaching out to customers? What are we saying? Uh, so Brian, I'm just gonna call out your message, but Brian mentioned, you know, something that they did to every customer, all 2,500 was uh, three things. One was to say hello and that we're there for them in the uncertain time. Two was to lean into support utilization and uh, make sure that there are support options and that they know about them. And then three was asking if they wanted to book time with the CS person to chat about anything they want. Um, sounds like orchestration was probably involved there. Uh, I imagine you had to coordinate across the company. So Brian, I don't know if you wanna give maybe just a little blurb about um, how you guys coordinated that, maybe how the, the channels that you distributed that information through just real quick to give a primer and then would love to hear if there are other examples of, of people doing something similar. 
Yeah, I mean, we wanted to get ahead of, of risk in the customer base really quickly, and we were already starting to see our renewals managers um, start to be inundated with messages from customers as like inbound. So when we started to see that, we were like, we need to be more proactive about this uh, and really get a sense and understanding of where the risk exists. So this is like one, extending the hand to our customers to be there for them, but then selfishly, because we also are a business, we wanted to understand like, what is the response when we message our customers? What are they saying back to us? And then we're able to assess, oh, this customer might be having like a lot harder ship than we might have thought. Um, so kind of the coordination that went into that, it was a quick message, right? Like we, we bulleted out this, this email. It was no more than like five or six sentences. Um, and we started to, to get that together. Uh, listed out the kind of the bullet points that are going out to all of our customers. Um, that you mentioned the three kind of key points there. One, hey, we're here for you. Two, here are support options. So if you want to talk to somebody, you can. And here's the avenues by which you can contact us. And then three, uh, you know, if you want to book time live with a, with a human being, you can do so via Zoom link. Um, and it was actually, it was great. We started to see responses almost immediately. So we, the, the thing that we've done is we've started to phase this, this out over time. We didn't do all 2,500 at once. So we started to bucket them so that we could say, Hey, for this week, we're going to do, you know, 300 here. And we understand the West coast is going to get these messages and our CS team can be ready to respond. East coast is coming up next. EMEA is next. APAC is next. And so that kind of like rolling them out means that we didn't just like send it all in once. And then we were just flooded with responses. Um, so I'm not saying that, that that was the best way, but that's kind of how we're doing it. And we're in the middle of that rolling cycle right now. I think that's a very good point. And I think, um, you know, if, if you guys manage customers, whether it's, you know, small SMBs or large, and you haven't sent them a, a note acknowledging that, you know, it's crisis time and you're ready, then you're behind the eight ball, right? We, we did the same thing, Michael, as you, uh, although we, we sent it to, you know, all of our customers, you know, a week and a half ago. And I crafted a you know, really short message, just like you said, acknowledging its crisis, telling them that we moved to 100% work from home, yet we adjusted our processes and the level of service stays the same. And here's the phone number and email that you can reach us. And if you want anything that we can do to help you, please let us know. And a lot of you know, customers responded with just thank you, right? So happy to hear. Glad to know you're safe, right? Just simple, make it, make it human, right? Make it, you know, the, the connection is, is important. Parallel to that, we've done a whole campaign of our customers that we listed, assigned executives, and started to make phone calls um, to individually on top of what, you know, you know the inbounds and whatever. So there's a massive email to everybody, and then there's a you know, high touch with the top ones, and I think that works. Brian, is there Just, anything uh, in terms of that coordination for your team? Did you guys send that from like a marketing system that's all, you know, kind of automated and still personalized from the CSM, or did you, did you just have all your CSMs like ready to go, copy paste into emails? Like, how did you just coordinate that? I'd be curious from a tactical perspective. Yeah, I, I think the human element is is critical here. Um, we we went back and forth with leadership about you know sure loading something up into Marketo and blasting it out to everybody you know 300 at a time would be the smart and efficient thing to do. Uh, we broke it up so for the people that were responsible for those customers, either dedicated where there was a named CSM or there was a kind of like our scaled team, uh, we broke up those customers and assigned them to individuals on the CS team. We loaded up a template into what we use as Mixmax, which is kind of like our email kind of like template tool uh, so that it was simple and easy for folks to, to send out. But then we were actually able to see who on our team sent what messages in Mixmax because there's also an element of analytics and tracking. So we were able to see what customers what got, got what message and it felt very authentic. And then the follow-up from those customers was routed back to that person. So therefore we weren't just like, you know, blasting out these messages and you might get, you know, somebody here or there and it, it's like passed or routed from one person to another. Um, and so it's, it's helped, right? So we, we did have an influx and in volume of responses back, but then if we broke it, broke it up and said, Hey, as a CSS, a customer success specialist, you're responsible for these 30 customers. If you get any responses, you are responsible for responding back to them. Um, and, and that's kind of how we did it. 
I just want to add to this, um, as Peter here um, from Populo, um, we're in the internal communications business, so uh, which is uh, fortunate in the in a time that isn't very fortunate. But I, I think um, communicating to the customers of where you may have weaknesses, where your system has suddenly seen a massive upsurge, we we were probably two or three days behind communicating with our customers because we had seen a 50% increase in our service being used because all our customers were communicating to their employees, particularly when they were going going home. And what was interesting was that when when uh, we eventually sent out that communicate uh, very much to what Brian was saying, you know, look, we're we're here to help. Here's here's all the numbers and everything else. We also called out that we were experiencing um, capacity uh, challenges, um, and that uh, we were you know we were working really hard to actually try and uh, and address those those issues. And I, uh, what was um, nice to see and was. Um, uh, was that I had a, uh, we had maybe 10, 15 customers just come back straight away, just sort of thanking for acknowledging the fact that we were having performance issues. Um, so I think that just goes to the point that I think a lot of people are making, which is that, you know, let's just be up, up front with our customers, let them know what's actually going on. And if you are having capacity issues, you know, call, call that out straight. Hi, this is Gabriel uh, calling from Veo. Um, we're the NEMT uh, side of things, and we also have a SaaS element. Uh, what, what we've been doing is I am the only CSM uh, at, at our market. So we're, we're a broker for the state of Connecticut and service all the Medicaid healthcare facilities in the state, which is over 800. Um, so what we did is that we had some of our support staff get pulled into a team and we called every single facility that we service because we don't have a relationship with all of them because the CSM element in our company started with me. Um, so we called all of them, let them know of our policy changes and it took several days. And then also asking them for their changes because in our realm, uh, obviously we service healthcare. So it is having a, a big impact in different ways. They're, they're staying open, but some of them are canceling, moving to telehealth and so on. Um, we did that into, we did split up by tiers. Um, so the top 100 facilities that we service based on volume, um, I had a specific team that was reaching out to those people and then offered one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings, similar to what, you know, Brian said that their team are doing. So we offer those one-on-one -on -one calls in which I'm handling those individually. Um, but we are looping in other team members there. I do think the human touch goes a long way and education as well, because being in the healthcare in industry, in a sense, we're seeing that even there, education goes a long way, you know, trying to explain to people what's going on, what, what's, what, what's happening on our end, why things are changing, why things aren't changing. Um, I think us being informed as CSMs on what is happening and what are all the elements related to COVID-19 um, goes, goes a long way. It shows the clients that we're doing our part as well, um, you know, and, and sharing online what our policies are and so on, showing them that we are being careful. Obviously, we have drivers going out, so there's a human element to this. I have to communicate with facilities when a driver contracts COVID-19 and so on. Um, but I, I want to echo that reaching out individually to everyone has, has been a huge help for us. Um, one of the questions that I'm challenged with right now is that we do have a software tool that was recently launched. And it is going to be a huge benefit during this time. But my challenge is figuring out the way to introduce that software conversation right now because timing is of the essence. And right now everyone is concerned with immediate fixes and immediately getting things in place and resolving the chaos that's placed, you know, especially in healthcare. Um, so yeah, my question for myself, and I have about this and any input is uh, accepted, is when to have these conversations about a value add to the company um, that will help specifically in this COVID-19 um, situation. 
uh, because we don't know how long it's going to last, right? It could be another month. It could be three months. Um, so strategizing that is, is my biggest challenge perhaps right now. I'll just wrap up real quickly and say, I think this conversation was really meaty and, and felt to be really um, hands uh, tactical and execution focused, which is really what we're looking for. Thank you for everybody for participating and speaking. If you didn't speak, that's cool too. Thank you for being here. A uh, ton of, ton of good, good value. With that, we'll wrap it up. So thank you everybody for being here. We'll talk next week.